Good morning. Who can tell me what our uh, theme for this year is? Uh, yell it out. Okay, put it up and then and maybe we can all say it together. Here it is. Let's all say it after three. One, two, three. Amen. And our goal this year is to reach 250 souls. I don't know if there's any more fruitfulness that God would want from us than we would reach people. I mean, really, everything we do, and I spoke about this a little while ago, everything we do is about people, right? God is about people, is that right? When God is in heaven right now thinking, he's thinking about people. He's not thinking about buildings. He's not thinking about, you know, systems. He's thinking about people. His heart right now is beating for people. Who knows that? His, his whole, the, from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, it's all about his journey, the journey of people back to God. It's all about the journey of him drawing his people to himself, creating them. They go away. He calls them back. He makes every way that he can for them to get back to him. And eventually, at the end of the story, who's read the end of the book? Who's one of the people that go to the end of the book before they read the beginning? <laughs> At the end of the book, we all get to be with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. And every tear will be wiped away and it'll all be over and then we'll be able to stand before him. But I don't know about you, when I stand before him, I want to look over his shoulder and see the multitudes of people that I have touched through my life. When he says to me, you know, it's great. Your, your, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Enter into eternity, Julie. You've been amazing. But then he'll look at me and he'll say this. What did you do with that which I gave you? What did you do with that I gave you? I gave you eternal life. I gave you freedom. I gave you Jesus Christ. I gave you my own son. I gave you everything. What did you do with it? Who did you affect in your life through it? How many people did you touch? How many people did you connect with for my kingdom? Amen. I just want to read you something that I wrote down this morning when I got out of bed. We're, we're talking about faithfulness at least to fruitfulness. And the greatest fruitfulness that we can produce in our lives are people being touched and impacted for the kingdom of God. Everything we do, even the, even the finances that we give, the fruit of that is souls. The fruit of that is people. The fruit of that is lives. Amen? This is the only really lasting thing we can accomplish in our lives is people. When you go home, you can't take your car, you can't take your house, you know, you can't take your dog even. Amen? I heard of one lady gave her whole fortune to a dog. It was like $25 million or something. She gave it to a dog. And the dog's sitting on this little cushion going, I mean, doesn't she know they have nine years of life or something like that? And then... What then? But imagine if she could have sewn that into Ethiopia and fed some poor children. You know, what do we do with that which we have? When we finally stand before him and ask, he's, he's going to ask us, what did you do with that which I gave you? I, I'm just... Listen to me. If you really, really knew the heart of the Father right now, you would know that his heart is beating for people and everything he thinks about and everything he does is about people. And it's about how do I get these lost people... How do I get my kids that are out there roaming around, not knowing me, not knowing my name, not knowing my voice, not knowing my love? How do I connect with them? Come on. You know, and, and you know what? We talk about evangelism and we talk about 
go out and reach souls. And, but it's not just a random thing. It's not just like, okay, who am I going to save today? Who am I going to go out and save today? Just randomly going up and, you know, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Come on, hurry up. We've got to get out of here. We've got to get you saved. It's not a, God isn't random. God plans everything. Psalm 139 says that I know the plans that I have for you. He has plans. He has plans. He's written them in his book. Psalm 139 says they're written in his book. Every day of your life is written in his book. There are divine appointments that he sets up for human beings in their lifetimes. Put up your hand if you know that there were divine appointments that led you to the final day of knowing Jesus Christ. Moments in your life where you know God was speaking, where you knew God was reaching out to you, when you knew God was putting people, circumstances, things in your path that were gradually leading you to Him. Divine opportunities in your life when suddenly the window of heaven opened up and God was speaking to you and you knew He was speaking to you. And times where you would just walk away from that voice and then He would call again a few years later and call you again or a few months later, a few weeks later, a few days later call you at divine appointments and they're written in his book. He writes them in. You know, Tuesday, 22nd of February, I'm calling out to Kim, you know, Joseph. That's the day. That's their day. You see, it also says in Jeremiah, um, is it 9-11 or 11-9? 9-11, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and hope. I know the plans. Now, if he knows the plans that he has for every human being, then how does he get those plans for every human being? How does he, how does he communicate that to those ones here? I heard it said, um, I read about it. I have, I've never watched The X-Files, but apparently on The X-Files there was a, a show called Revelation. And one of the main actors um, was speaking. They were speaking about, does God really speak? And she was asked, what are you afraid of, that God doesn't speak? And her answer was this, no, I'm afraid that God is speaking, but no one is listening. Wow. Uh, I thought that was profound when I read that in a worldly magazine about a worldly show. I'm afraid that God is speaking, but no one is listening. And I just think, if God, at this moment in time, right now, just say, you know, just say, Two streets from here, there's a lady at home in her house. And right now God is speaking to her. And it's her moment and he's calling her. And he's, and, he, and he's calling her by name. How does she get that message? How does she get it? Now what I want to call it, I want to call it prophetic evangelism. That's the title of my message this morning. Or we'll just put this, the unction, the function of the unction. That's what I want to call it because it's a little less spiritual than prophetic evangelism. The function of the unction. Everyone say that. So God has to reach down out of heaven and put an unction inside of someone else so that they can reach that person. It's just like if you can imagine God is in heaven. He's up here. He's reaching his hand down to humanity. Not just to humanity, but to a particular person at that particular time. Do you understand? Every human being, he knows them by name. He knows every hair on their head. He knows when they get up, when they lie down, what they're thinking. He, he is incredible. So he's reaching down to this person. And, and that person may be reaching up to him, but may not be. 
but there is a gap between where God is reaching down and where the person is or where the person is reaching up. And someone has to stand in the gap. Someone has to take the hand of God and the hand of that person and bring them together. That's prophetic evangelism, or that's the unction of the function. Amen? Now, when I say prophetic evangelism, you know, a lot of you would go, yeah, but, you know, that's for the select few who are prophetic and the weird people that meet in back rooms and then they go... And they, you know, I have a word for you. You know, and they do all freaky stuff and they, you know, they, they get around in camel hair or whatever. So that's why I want to call it the unction of the function, not prophetic evangelism, because as soon as I say prophetic evangelism, you all shut down and go, that's for the select few that do that weird stuff or that select gifted few who are entitled to hear the voice of God and communicate that. But let's look at this scripture, Acts 1.8, and let's have a look. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, the Bible says you will receive power. Say, I will receive power, power. when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, and I will be a witness. So I have the power, everyone together, so I have the power to witness through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <laughs> The power, you know, we think of power being, you know, you get zapped by God and then you walk around like this with this power until you can finally release it to someone and go, oh, thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit. Yeah. And um, I've always wanted to do that to you, Gar, you know. And um, so let's just translate that word power to the word ability. Come on. You know, he gives you the ability to be a witness. Is that right? He gives you the ability. What is the ability? It's an unction. It's an unction that you just have to put into function. It's an unction for what? It's an unction to hear God crying out to a humanity, to a soul, at a particular time, at a particular place, a particular way. He gives you an unction. You function in the unction. And the hand of God and the hand of man is connected. It's prophetic evangelism. That's the function of the unction. It's simple. How many people in this room, don't put your hand up till I say it. I want you to think about it. How many people in this room have had sort of an unction about someone in a shopping center, on a train, at school, at work? You know, you're just sitting there. Say you're in a train and you just look across and you just get this unction. You get this, oh, you know, that person really needs help. Or, uh, gee, that woman looks sad. I wonder what's going on in her life. Or, um, oh, that woman's so sick. You know, has anyone ever prayed for her for healing? An unction. Put up your hand if you ever had an unction. Okay, that's everybody in the room just about. I'm going to say it again. Put up your hand if you ever had an unction. That's right. Because unctions are the voice of God speaking to you, desperately trying to get you to communicate with a human being that desperately needs to know that God is real and that he speaks to people and that God is watching them. People these days, you know, Pastor Phil said it, the harvest is ripe. You know, he was saying to me, he said, the harvest is ripe. 
The harvest is ripe. Don't say two months more. It's now. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. You know, but we need to mobilize the church to get out and to speak and to say and to touch and to connect. Amen? God is speaking. But are people listening? And are we bold enough to just do something about it? I want to give you some stories and some stuff to really encourage you today. A lot of stories. Who likes stories? I knew that this um, message this morning was... I was going to ring up Graham and Irma this morning and say, I hope you're in church this morning because I know this is particularly for you, but I know it's for everybody, but I just had you on my heart this morning that God was going to really layer in something really... You knew, And he didn't even know I was preaching. Like, so, so that's amazing. Came back from Tari just to be here, he says. Acts 2.17, just have a look at that. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. It, it, it goes on. Is there more than that? Anyway, it says, even upon your maidservants while I pour out my spirit. That means even upon you women. <laughs> I'll pour out my spirit on you lowly beings. I will pour out my spirit even on everybody. I'm going to pour out my spirit. Amen. And it's going to be that you will prophesy. Now, let's just put that into normal terms again. I'm going to pour out my spirit and you're going to get an ability to have an unction and you're going to function in the unction and you're going to touch mankind. Come on. You see? He doesn't say that only select few will prophesy, only those that have the gift of prophecy or the prophets will prophesy. He said, I'll pour my spirit on everyone. And everybody's just going to walk around. And what is prophecy anyway? Prophecy is God speaking to men and, and someone being the interpreter of that. Or someone standing in the gap and saying, this, this is what God's saying. Amen? So if you look at, I won't go there right now, but in John 4, 42, we talk about the woman at the well. I'll open it quickly and just flip through. Jesus is at this well, and this woman turns up at this well, and um, I'll just go there. Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? You see, the first thing that Jesus does is he finds common ground. He gets an unction about this woman. This is Jesus. He's given us an example how to do this stuff. Amen? This woman comes along. He's not supposed to associate with her. How many of you have been in places where there's people that you wouldn't normally associate with and you wouldn't really know how to have a conversation with them? They might be of a different class than you, a different race than you, a different sex than you, a different age group than you. And you can just say, how do I, you know, you find common ground. She was drawing water. He talks about water. You just find common ground. And he starts to talk to her, and eventually he unfolds her life. You know, he, he's very tricky about the way that he prophesies. He doesn't say, the Lord, you know, you, you've, you've had so many husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. He doesn't, he knows that. He knows it. But he just goes, um, why don't you just call your husband? Oh, she goes, uh, yeah, well, he's not really my husband. Yeah, I know. And then he tells her. And it doesn't come with judgment. It just comes with, I know you. I know you. She later runs and tells everybody, come and see the man who knows everything about me. He told me all about my life. She wasn't sad about that. She wasn't upset about that. He knew about her sin and about her life. She was over the moon 
that this man knew about her life. She realized he was the Messiah, that he could forgive her and give her a fresh start. And she was excited that he knew me. He knew me. Come and see the man who knows all about me. He told me all about myself. There's so many people out there right now that want to hear God. They want to know. Come and come. You can say to people, you know, you could see someone in the street, Ali, and just go, you know, I just, I don't know what it is, but, you know, I was just standing over there and, you know, I believe that God still speaks to people today and I'm a Christian and, you know, I just kind of heard him say, you know, like, don't be sad, he's with you. Simple as that. And the person goes, really? You mean God spoke to you about me? And the next minute she's running through the shopping center. Come and, come and, come. I want to introduce you to the person that knows all about me. He knows me. God knows my name. God knows me. Suddenly they're important. Suddenly they're special. Suddenly they mean something to somebody. Amen? And they don't care about Ali. They've found the one who knows them. They've found their father. They've found where they belong. They've found a home. And Jesus demonstrated this. This woman ended up bringing a harvest in of a whole town just because Jesus spoke to her a few words that he heard the Father saying. Amen? Let's look at it in a modern-day woman of the world kind of story. Um, I was reading this book about this guy who loves to do this stuff and loves to teach people how to do this stuff. And uh, he went into this garage one day in, you know, the, to get his car fixed. And there was all these people. And it was very busy and everything. There was a girl behind the counter. And he just got the unction. You know what we're talking about? Got the unction. He's looking at this girl. He can't take his eyes off her. What is it about this girl? What is it about this girl? I don't know what's going on. There's something about this girl. God, you're speaking to me. What is it? And God speaks to him and says, this girl is, has a serious illness and I need her to know me before she dies. And that was a pretty clear unction. Now, how do you function in an unction like that? Excuse me, are you dying? You need to know Jesus. You know, how do you do that? The first thing you need to know is you need to relax. God is in control. Amen. He's in control. If he says it, he'll set it up. And so the guy just waits for a chance to just kind of see if God's going to set it up. And this woman's just so busy. There's people there all the time. He can't be rude. She's working. He doesn't want to get her the sack and talk to her. You know what I mean? So he waits for the opportunity. He says, God, the opportunity hasn't arisen, but you've shown me that girl. I'm going to pray for her and I'm going to wait for the next opportunity. Two months later, He's a pastor. He's doing a wedding. He looks down. The bridesmaid is this girl. And God said, I'll set it up for you. He said, yes, Lord, I know. So after the wedding, the bridesmaid's surrounded by all these people and all this stuff's going on and he can't get to her, but he notices that her boyfriend is there. So he goes up and says, hi, you know, you're the mechanic that works at the garage. Is that your girlfriend? That's my girlfriend. You know, I really felt a couple of months ago when I was in the garage that, you know, that God wanted me to pray for her. Oh, well, someone has to pray for her because she, she's very ill and we're really worried about her. She's really ill and we're really concerned about her. He said, listen, I don't want to disturb you right now. See how you, 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 you deal with people's privacy and you, you, know, you don't push, you don't shove. Here's my card. If ever you or your girlfriend want prayer, you just ring me. Okay? Two weeks later, three o'clock in the morning, he gets a phone call. She's in a coma. She's in hospital. They're giving her two hours to live. Can you come? He goes to the hospital. There's all the family around the bed. She's all hooked up to wires. How do I pray now, God? Like you, you told me that you wanted her to know you before you die. So he just prays a simple prayer like, God, give me more time. 
just give me more time, and he leaves. He doesn't feel like he has to be the hero. He doesn't, have to, he doesn't feel to pray for healing. God never said to pray for healing. God said he wanted her to know him before she died. So he said she's going to die. Amen. So he's not being the hero. He's not being assumptuous. You know, I just assume that God wants to heal this person and I'm going to, in front of this whole family, I'm going to let God fail. No, he just prays a simple prayer. Thank you, family. Be in touch with me if you need me. And he leaves. The next morning, the guy rang him up and said, I don't know what happened, but she came out of the coma just after you left. She's, she's being released from hospital right now and they're sending her home and we just want to thank you. He says, that's great. Any other time you need prayer, just call me. A couple of months later, he gets a phone call. Would you please come around for dinner with the whole family? We just want to honour you for what you've done for her and she wants to see you. He goes around for dinner. He's thinking, how can I get alone with this girl? How can I talk to her? They've given her like two months to live now and it's the last days. And the girl comes up to him and says, you know, would you mind if I speak to you in another room alone? Sure. God sets it up. He walks into the room. He says to her, I'm glad I'm alone with this. Something I need to tell you. She said, I know. You need to tell me how to get to heaven. I know I'm dying. I need to meet God. I want to know where I'm going. Tell me what I have to do to be saved. She was saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. Two months later, he did her funeral. The whole family, all the garage workers were there. They all got touched by God because he could honestly say she was with Jesus. Amen. And then two months later, he had his Christmas services. Everyone in that funeral was at his Christmas service hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ because he was obedient in one garage for one day just to do what God called him to do. Another time, he was just at an airport, and you know how busy it is at airports, and you know this um, lady was behind the counter serving him, trying to get his tickets through, and he just looked at her, and he just got two words, rejection and sadness. And he said, well, what do I do with that, God? You know, you'll know. And he just walks up to the counter and she's just doing the stuff. He said, you know, you look really sad. She said, yeah, yeah. She just keeps going. You know, I just feel, I believe God speaks to people and I feel like he told me that you've got some rejection going on in your life. And she goes, how did you know that? My boyfriend just left me. And I, I'm, just, I'm just at a loss. I don't know what to do. Gives her a card, says, give me a ring anytime and we'll talk about it. I mean, that's all you have to do. You know, it's like a clock. I look at it like a clock. And maybe your job is just to move that clock, that time clock of that person's life a little closer to Christ. So they might be at 6 o'clock. And you're not going to get them to 12 o'clock in one second. But you might move them to half past 6 and then the next person comes along and moves them to seven. Do you understand? Because you know in your life it was a progression of circumstances, people and things that led you to Jesus Christ. It wasn't just one big king hit one day and you'd never heard anything or never experienced anything before. So don't feel like you have to, you know, seal the deal. Phil said it before. Apollos planted a seed, Paul watered it. Is that right? Or Paul planted a seed and Apollos watered it. And God made it grow. How many people know God makes it grow? Is that right? Now, in, in, in prophetic evangelism or the function of the unction, there's two types of prophetic evangelism. I'll call them today A and B. A is when a believer receives revelation for an unbeliever and they share that revelation and that person gets touched. Amen? So it's like God speaking to the believer, the believer touches the unbeliever. The other way is type B, 
where an unbeliever receives revelation straight from God through dreams, visions, circumstances. They share it with a believer and the believer helps them interpret it or leads them further down the line. Type A, here's an example. I was at the Big Banana once with all the kids and we're on holidays, Coffs Harbour, and with Phil. And we got out of the car and there was a lady getting out of the car next to us and she had little kids and the Lord said to me, she, she is very close to committing suicide and she needs help right now. She needs to know about me. So I went to go like that to speak to her because I think, what do you do with that? I went to go like to speak to her and she, just, she walked away. I thought, okay. And so all around the big banana, I'm just walking around looking for this woman, trying to find her. I just, you know, I didn't know what I was going to say or what I was going to do. How was I going to reach this soul, this woman? She's going to kill herself. I mean, what am I going to do about that? And, and eventually, I couldn't find her. We got back to the car. Her car was still there, but I couldn't find her. So I wrote out what I felt God was saying to her on a piece of paper. You know, you know dear lady, you know, I pulled up. God spoke to me. He says, you know, don't kill yourself. He loves you. He wants you to have a future and a hope. He, you know, I just wrote this whole thing out. I had a New Testament in the car. I put the note inside a New Testament, stuck it under her windscreen. Now, I may never see the fruit of that, but that's, that's the type A type of, you know, I receive a revelation, I share it with an unbeliever, and, you know, hopefully they get touched, amen, by God. Now, type B is when someone experiences something straight from God and they, and they have an, this, this is an incredible experience in, um, in uh, an Arab nation, and there was like three mosques in this particular region. And one morning, this, the, the imam, that's what they call the priest, he goes in to prepare the mosque for prayer and get it ready for the people. And he's there and he's you know, praying, he's preparing the place. And, and all of a sudden, a man in white clothes just stood before him. And he said, who are you? He said, I am Jesus Christ. I'm not just a prophet, I am the savior of the world. You must bow your knee and worship me. And follow me all the days of your life and tell your people about me that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The man fell on his face, cried out to Jesus, started speaking in other tongues, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, didn't know what the heck had happened to him. And so a little later he went to see the mosque down the road. Anything strange happened to you lately? This guy had the same experience. They went to the other mosque. Anything weird happened to you lately? He had the same experience the same day, three mosques. They all said, I know there's an underground church somewhere around here. Let's go find it. And they went and found the underground church. The pastor there prayed for them all. They were all baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled and and touched by God. And he supplied enough Bibles for the three mosques. They pulled down the, the thing off the top and put a cross up and declared them three churches. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. You know, Isaiah 65.1, can we put that one up there? It says this. I reveal myself to those who do not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here I am, here am I. The other translation that I've got here of that is the Lord says, people who never before inquired about me are now asking about me. This is what's happening. It's time to awaken and realize that people who never before inquired about God are now asking. There's people that are asking. I remember when I was, you know, became born again and, and I had this incredible experience of Jesus coming to me. I asked him, Jesus, why did you come to me? He said, because no one else would come. I sent many people to you, but no one else would come. I had to come myself. 
Amen. And then years later, I'm speaking, I'm singing at this full gospel businessman's thing, and this man walks up to me. He's laughing his head off, mocking. <laughs> Is your name? And I said, yes. Did you used to live at? And I said, yes. And he said, oh, that's so funny. I used to live across the road from you. I said, did you? And I remembered back then when I was seeking God that I would hear Christian music coming across the road. But I didn't know what Christianity was. I'd never met a born-again Christian. I didn't know what it was. But I remember thinking to myself, that's the music that I've been looking for. But I don't know what it is. or what. And I want to go across the road and ask this guy, but I'm too embarrassed. Oh, I used to live across the road from you. <laughs> I said, really? Yeah. I was praying for you. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, I was praying that you'd get saved or get out. (laughs) I picked that guy up by the collar. He was only a little guy. And I I won't do it, Chica. (laughs) And I looked at him in the face. I said, why didn't you tell me? I went through another four years of hell because you wouldn't walk across the street. You fool. I was ripe, I was ready, I was crying out, and you didn't walk across the street. Go away from me. (laughs) Bit convicted. But it's true. And you think that you're going to disturb their little lives, you think you're going to embarrass yourself, and they're in their houses crying out to God, and right across the road is a person with an unction that never functions. God is speaking and they can't hear him speaking because no one will speak for him. (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? They did a survey of 600 ex-Muslims and out of 600 ex-Muslims, a quarter of them came to the Lord through direct dreams and visions from Jesus. He can do it. He can do it without us, but he wants to do it with us. And there's many people groups that we'll never be able to reach, but he'll reach them. And you can tell that as it starts to increase, these visitations and these dreams, that he's serious about reaching the world quickly. I rang up my mum. My mum rang up this morning to say, happy birthday, Gemma. She turned 13 today, everybody. I have a teenager in my house. Amen, another one. And it's beautiful. And, um, and mum rang up to say, happy birthday. I said, mum, pray for me. I'm preaching this morning. I didn't tell her what I was preaching. She said, Lord, let her awaken those sleepy Christians to get out and save the lost because we haven't got much time. Time is short. The harvest is ripe. We need to get out there and save them. That's what she prayed. I said, I think you're, that was good, mum. Tell you about it later. <laughs> and uh, it was amazing. Another way that you can reach out to people is through prophetic evangelism and healing. You know, we can use it healing. How many of you know that? It's a bit scarier, but just stepping out and praying for the sick. There was this big conference and they were teaching on prophetic evangelism, how to get out in the street, how to witness to people. They split the conference in two. Half the conference, you go out in the street and do what we've taught you. This half of the conference, you stay here and pray. How many people know it's important to put prayer into it before you go out? Lord, set me up. Who is it today? Who are you going to give me? What unction am I going to get? Lord, give me the faith. Give me the understanding. Give me the heart, God, for people. Amen. So all these people are praying and all these people went out into the streets. And this pastor was teaching and he felt a little dry because he'd given so much up, but he went out with one of the guys. And they were just walking through the streets and he felt led at 5 o'clock to go down this alleyway. Went down the alleyway, saw an art gallery. The two guys said, I feel we've got to go in the art gallery. They went in the art gallery. They couldn't see much going on and just thought, ah, we must have missed God. And they walked out, walked back up the alley, walked back up the street. God said, go back to the alley. 
They go back to the alley, go back to the art gallery. They walked in the art gallery. There's a young girl there. She's serving. No one's in the art gallery. In the art gallery is a picture of Jesus and Mary. And she's standing there staring at it. They figure that's a lead. <laughs> so they, he walks up to her and he said, nice picture, isn't it? And she goes, yeah, it's really beautiful. He said, you know, I'm a pastor. I've got a church and I'm kind of, I'm looking for a picture for my church. She said, really? What kind of picture are you looking for? I'm looking for something that describes the story of the prodigal son in the Bible. Have you ever heard that story? She goes, no, I haven't. He told her the story of the prodigal son, how the father ran after the child that came home. And she's standing there, obviously touched. And he said to her, does this story mean anything to you? She says, it does, actually. I've got, there's a genetic disease in my family. Three of us had the disease. My two little brothers have already died of this disease. And that story just told me that perhaps there is a God that they've run into his arms and he's taken them home. pastor couldn't minister. She started crying. He's just lost it. She said, I've got the same disease and it'll be my time soon. So it's comforting to know that maybe there's a God that I can run into his arms. The other pastor says, well, maybe you don't have to. I believe that God heals. And uh, would you mind if we pray for you? She said, oh, okay. And he says, you know, we're just going to put our hand on you and you know, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and we believe that power can come into you to heal your body. She goes, okay. So they just quickly pray for her. That's another clue. You know, don't make it demonstrative. If you're in a public place, you know, don't. Now, this is my son-in-law in whom I am well pleased because he got my daughter pregnant. And... Um, and he's allowed to. You know. And um, don't make it demonstrative. Don't make it weird. You know, don't stand there and go, the power is coming now. We're going to build power. You know, just be real and natural. Come on. And you know, can even, you know, sometimes when we pray for people in public, we leave our eyes open so they don't feel embarrassed. You know, they're not going, looking around. Who's looking at you? You've got your eyes shut. This is weird. Sometimes we just leave our eyes open. Lord, you can just naturally do that. Oh, Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you touch and heal this body. Thank you for your power that flows right through this body now in Jesus' name. Do you feel anything? That's what I would say. Do you feel anything? And this guy says to this girl, do you feel anything? She says, well, by that time she was shaking and her eyes were fluttering. So he kind of got the clue that she was feeling something. You feeling anything? She goes, yeah, there's like heat going right through my body. And, just, and, just, and I just, I don't know what's going on, but this is real. God is real. He's coming. He's, he's touching me. He's touching me. I said, what do you feel? She said, I feel completely released. Because he prayed, I break every generational curse, every generational iniquity and every generational sickness off you in Jesus' name. I feel completely released. That's powerful, man. Just a simple thing. As simple as that. You don't have to be, you know, a rocket scientist to just be simple. Just move them closer and closer and closer to God. There's another story of a, of a lady, I'm nearly finished, who, um, it's a powerful story. This lady's name is Sharon Stone. She's a prophetic woman and she teaches on this stuff as well. And she's walking through a shopping centre. And I've had this happen to me before. Exactly. 
walking through a shopping centre, I look at a couple and God says, he's beating her. He's beating her and my heart breaks for her. What do you do with that? She's standing next to a he-man criminal with tats. You walk up and say, excuse me, are you beating your wife? You know, <laughs> we were on the beach the other day and, um, and, and we went for a long walk. We had all our stuff set up. We had our little umbrella there and everything. And off we went for We were going for a really long beach walk, ages, probably an hour. And we came back and I'm walking up. You know, I can't see that well in the distance. I'm going, can you see our umbrella, Phil? He goes, no, I can't. Well, then I got worried because he's got 20-20 vision at distance. No, I can't. There's a, we get back, there's all our stuff, no umbrella. I'm thinking, oh no, it's blown, it's hit someone in the head, I'm thinking all these things. I kind of look around like this and there's a guy and his girlfriend sitting way up the back of the beach underneath our umbrella, having a lovely time. <laughs> it's our umbrella. It's really, you know, it's not like a normal umbrella, it's, you know, it's green and white and it stands out in a crowd. I said, Phil, you've got to go talk to that guy. Well, as Phil's walking up there, I'm looking at the guy. He's got tats. He looks like he's just got out of jail. She's just, she looks like a mail-order bride. And I'm thinking, oh, no, it's not worth it, Phil. Stop. <laughs> Stop. You know, so I'm just praying. I'm on the beach. I said, thank you, Lord. You protect my husband. You know, don't let him shove that umbrella. You know, yeah. And um, anyway... We got our umbrella back and Phil said it was a little hairy, but we got our umbrella back. <laughs> how did I get there? I haven't got a clue how I got there. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. So, so this, this woman, she's, you know, she's in the shopping centre and the guy says, God says to her, that woman's being beat by her husband. So she waits for the opportune moment. The woman goes to pack her groceries in the car. She's alone. She's not with a he-man criminal. It's all right. And she goes to pack her groceries in the car and Sharon goes up to her in the car park and goes, you know what, I'm a Christian and I believe... See, she doesn't freak her out. She's going, you know, I heard God and thus saith the Lord. You know, she doesn't do that. I'm a Christian. I believe God still speaks to people today. And I believe he spoke to me about you this morning, you know. And then she just said, is your husband beating you? And this woman just cracks, just cracks. Yes, he is. He's beating me. I don't know what to do about it. And so she, she just leads it, you know, and comforts her and just says, God cares about you. He gave his only son. His own son was beaten for you so that you could have eternal life. He's taken those beatings on his back for you. And she leads her to Jesus Christ. She gets filled with the Holy Spirit. The woman invites her home to meet the husband who's beating her. Will you come and meet him? Will you speak to him? She goes, you know, she hears God. Yeah, go. So she goes. She meets the husband. He repents, he folds, he goes, I don't want to hit my wife, I love my wife so much, I've just been under so much stress and pressure lately, please help me, I want to change. She leads him to the Lord, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. She kind of visits them for a couple of months, makes sure they're going to church, and then she loses touch with them. Years and years later, she's preaching at a big conference and this lady comes up to her and says, do you remember me? And she recognised her straight away. You're the woman from the, from the um, what do you call it? Shopping centre, from the car park. And she said, yes, I am. She said, how's your husband? He's going really well. We pastor a church two kilometres from here, my husband and I. I just think, man, what seeds are there? What, what incredible things are there in the kingdom that we miss every day? 
because we just don't function with unction. I want to encourage you this week, be natural. Just be natural. Be open. How many times myself have I run in to get bread with a mission on my mind? I've got to get the bread. I've got to get the bread home. And I've got to cook dinner. And I'm thinking these things. And how many people have I walked past that God is speaking to but I wasn't listening? How many times has Phil gone to get bread and come home four hours later? <laughs> like every day. He functions really well with his unction, I tell you. But I hear it and, you know, sometimes it's, it's daunting. Last story, I, went, I was going to the ATM. This is when we were first in ministry. I was, went to the ATM. We were, we were just in ministry. We weren't getting a wage from ministry. We were living by faith. We were living because people were dropping food passes on our front door. That's how we lived in the first few months of the ministry. And we had, $20, we had $40 in the bank. $20 for petrol and $20 to live on that week. That's all we had. And I'm running down to the ATM because I've got to get $20 for petrol and put it in the car so Phil can go to work. I've got a car full of women. We've just been to a women's meeting. And I, I, I'm standing at the ATM and there's a woman in front of me and she's trying to get money out and she tries that account, she tries that account, she's ripping that up. She's upset. She can't get money out. And she's got a pram. She's got about three little kids all stacked in there. So, oh, poor lady. Okay, get out of the way. I need to use the ATM. And so she walks off down the street and the Lord said to me, take the $20 out and give it to her. Take 20 out and give it to her. And I said, well, you have to tell Phil. <laughs> and um, fill the petrol up in the car, supernaturally. But I will. I'll do it. And so... I, she'd gone by this day, she'd walked for ages, so I jumped in the car and all the girls are in the car from this women's room. Where are we going? Where are we going, Pastor? We're on a mission from God. <laughs> so I drive and around the streets, I'm looking for this girl, there she is. And I just said to one of the girls in the car, I don't want to embarrass this girl, but just take this 20 bucks, go put it in her hand and say, God loves you, God knows your heart, God hears you, this is for you. Wow. So I just thought, it's only 20 bucks, what's it going to do? So she puts it in her hand. This girl goes down like this in the middle of the street, weeping, sobbing. Her body's just racking like this with pain. And she says to this girl, no one has ever given me a cent in my whole life, not even my own mother when I asked her. I've got these three kids and I can't feed them and I was on my way home to kill myself and kill these three kids because I can't live anymore. But if God knows me and God cares about me, I'm going to take these 20 bucks, I'm going to feed my kids and, you know, I'm going to live. Far out. Far out. Every day there's people around your life that are in that place. They might be smiling, they might have nice clothes on, they may not look like they're in a place where they're desperately crying out to a God who loves them, but they are. And with all my heart, not just because we want to get stats, not just because we want to have 250 people saved this year so we can put it up there and go, well, we did it, but because God desperately loves people and people desperately need God. And if, and, if, and if every one of you went out like a mighty army and just functioned in the unction, were natural and beautiful and loving and caring, 
God will set you up because he desperately wants to reach them. Let's just stand to our feet, thanks. Father, we just thank you right now. Just lift your hands up. Father, right now we ask you, if you want to agree with me right now, just say, Lord, let me function in the unction. Lord, touch me. Forgive me for all the times I've walked past and haven't listened to your voice. All the times that I've been too busy, too rushed, too, con- too consumed with my own life. God, let me see, let me hear the voice of God and let me function in the unction that you have given me and let me go out and touch humanity for your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.